Welcome to episode number 53, Understanding and Premortality. Today, before I get started, I simply want to express to those listening and who suffer, whether that be a parent whose child suffers, someone who suffers themselves, the spouse of someone who suffers, or the single person who suffers more in silence than in public, that there are those of us who understand your condition, your feelings, your desires, or lack thereof, and the struggle that it is to be caught in the bewildering world of mental illness. The lonely days and nights, the pains, the suffering of body and mind, the doubts, the feelings of worthlessness and of despair, and that you do not feel good enough, and that you may feel that you will never feel good enough. I understand those voices and the feelings that come when Lucifer seems to have more sway in your mind than you have capacity to resist. I know the feelings of prayers that do not appear to reach more than the physical ceiling of your own room. And I felt the despair of wanting companionship and someone to hold just to borrow a portion of their happiness and light for a time. I've seen the faces of disappointed parents, friends, spouse, and others when church is not a place of peace for me but only a remembrance that the feelings of the Spirit of the Lord are difficult to find, meaning that I won't be attending church that day. I've longed to feel whole, to feel accepted, to feel loved, even when I could not have had the capacity for those feelings. I know what it feels like to be left alone, truly alone, in the sense I could feel nothing but that deep emptiness. What I also know that whether we feel it or not, this is when those who love us most on the other side of the veil are actually closest to us. They mourn with us. They comfort us. They know our every desire or even at times lack thereof. They sit with us as we weep for no reason. They do listen to our prayers. They often feel what we do, and they urge us forward. We are actually never alone, even when we feel most alone. I even have a firm belief that the Lord Lord himself leaves the administration of the gospel to his authorized servants, and that he spends his time ministering as he did on the earth. What I do know to be true is that the light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dim or how far away, is always worth the wait, even if that wait is far longer than we expect. All I can say is never give in to the voices and never give up. Now, today I wanted to approach a subject I've pondered for some time, but really probably test the limits of what we know about our life before this earth. Now, I have tried to spend a great deal of time in my studies and the scriptures and other sources of books and doctrine to attempt to understand what we knew as people in pre-mortality about mortality, who we were there, and really what took place before we came to this earth. And what does my illnesses have to do with that? I will, I will admit finding more questions than answers, as I am sure most people probably have. And of course, I have my own personal opinions about various pre-moral subjects in that world. But what I look for most often are those things that would directly relate to my experiences here in mortality and my illness. Now, I'm generally not overly concerned with what a celestial world looks like as far as gold paving and marble marble buildings or whatever they might use to pave roads, or even if they have roads or marble buildings. 
I am more interested in understanding what we knew about this mortal life, how we were prepared for it by those there, and how we prepared ourselves, and how all that preparation on that life relates to this one. And of course, how what we are learning here relates to further on into eternity and immortality. Now, I suppose some people could ask why you would spend so much time. My concern, why concern yourself with it? Why not just focus on what is happening now? Uh, why does premortality even make really a difference? We're certainly not going to change anything that happened in premortality. And I guess there is in some ways an argument to be made that our past is really our past. And what we should be concerned with is the present and what our present decisions will do to our future. And yet, somehow understanding what took place in the past is really, for me, a prediction for the future. If we are able to make it through this life and into exaltation, we will not be, will we not be having spirit children? And will they not be doing and experiencing almost exactly what we are now? I also have a belief that what we experience, those people we influence for good and perhaps evil, those trials we pass through, and the struggle of life is not a random experiment designed by our Father in Heaven to see if we can withstand anything He throws at us. I believe wholeheartedly that our experience on this earth is specifically tailored to our personal spiritual needs. And of course, to those around us. Because that would be, uh, really our needs and their needs are inseparable. I believe that we were trained together and with the specific intent that we would work together for the good of everyone. I do believe that mortality is an extension of the pre-mortal world in that we do not randomly develop a personality, we do not randomly develop our desires for good, our motives, even our faith, our desire towards spiritual things, and we do not randomly develop our desire even towards physical things. Rather, I believe we are now who we were there, just with mortal bodies, and of course, obviously, the infirmities and illnesses that come with it. Sure. We are learning to use a body that we never possessed, so there are going to be some things quite new to us. But most of the decisions we make are influenced directly by the nature that came with us. We do not change just because the events of the past are veiled, and we now have a mortal body. All of our experience, choices, decisions that made us who we were there and who we are now came with us to this earth life. Our preferences, our talents, our music skills, our art skills, people skills, spiritual skills, and so much more, including our personality traits, are really a direct result of our choices in that pre-mortal life. Now, there are some naysayers who would say, no, it's really more genetics. The apple does not fall far from the tree. I don't disagree that with mortality comes genetics. In fact, I probably understand that issue more than most, given my bipolar illness in the past. But I also understand that the same might be true for pre-mortality. I might be like my father and mother simply because we shared not only spiritual genetics, but we grew up together. So why do I concern myself with the pre-mortal life? Because inherently it explains my conditions here on the earth and makes them reasonable and understanding. It explains my children, my wife, my family, and my friends. It likely explains where I live, where I grew up and a host of other questions that I really have. I look at those experiences tailored to my life and the lives of those around me. In so doing, I can see and understand more of the reasons behind what is happening in this life, and rather than it being a random experience, being a tailored experience. 
Now, I certainly don't understand everything, and at times I am still not sure why I must pass through the various conditions of this life. But for the most part, I can at least understand the Lord does not have a veil of the events and can see pre-mortality and some of the things I currently do not. Now, this brings me to those various illnesses in my life. I believe what has been said by the prophets and the scriptures about my personal spiritual training before this life. So I have come to the conclusion that my illnesses are a continuation of my training rather than some kind of new random event or even a random genetic event. Now, I'm not saying that my spiritual body was ill before this life. I am not sure that spiritual bodies can get ill. What I am saying is that as far as I could be trained in the pre-earth life, pre-mortal life for my conditions here, I was, at least up until the point that I joined this mortality. So I do not look at my illnesses as a new trial or some type of one-off testing. I actually look at them as part of a whole, a continuation, and a further training. I believe that the transition between the worlds should be and is a continuous event, rather than three separate states of existence of pre-mortality, mortality, and immortality. Now, I've said this before, that far too often we believe that our experiences on this earth should be warm and fuzzy beach days with no worries or concerns. When in reality, this life was never intended to be such a thing. This world was to be a training ground where we would, by our own agency, select to be trained into exaltation or, by our own agency, deselect ourselves from service in the highest ranks of celestial life. Now, we do have the choice to engage ourselves in the testing program or simply be removed by making choices that would drum us out of celestial service. And what is interesting about this celestial training program is that even when we make choices and drum ourselves out of the testing program, we are free to return through the atonement of Jesus Christ at any given time that we, again, accept the conditions of the training. So while we might opt out, turning in our commission, celestial commission, as it might be said, we can return to start the training again. Now, we may not always start back at the same place, but we, le we left, but the options are always available. And exaltation is never out of reach until, of course, the door is shut and the final judgment comes. However, we can certainly procrastinate long enough so that our reward perhaps may not be bright as it could have been in the celestial life. We may still receive exaltation, but our reward may end up being the five talents of reward rather than the ten. So yes, I did right there mention various degrees of exaltation. I know that many of us believe we are all going to get exactly the same thing there. The truth is, is that not all of us will have the same capacity to govern, create, organize, and really develop independent spiritual beings. But we will be given that which we can handle. Yes, there are going to be differences among exalted beings. There always have been. But it is important to remember that it does not matter to those who have become exalted. There is no jealousy, trifling about who has more or less talents or spiritual capacity, who has even greater capacity, or what the rewards should have been, or what amount of grace I should have received versus someone else. We will know and fully understand and accept the differences, grateful for literally what we've been given. Uh, we will fully understand our capacities and those of others, and the rewards will be just, and they're going to actually make perfect sense to us. In mortality, we are far too often concerned with who has more or less than us, and it does skew our view of the next life. Now, I do not expect necessarily to have the same degree 
of capacity as Joseph Smith or Abraham, or certainly not Adam. And I fully accept that even before this life, they may have developed capacities that I never attained. To be honest, I would be grateful if I'm just given a cottage just on the inside of the edge of the wall of the city and simply asked to guard the entry gate. If I could have just a small portion of exaltation with the ability to again have children with my wife and have a mortal have my immortal, my mortal family in eternity, I would be grateful for that given my limited capacities in this life. Now I do not always understand my limited capacity in this life. Sometimes I I have felt that the Lord has simply said, look, I know what you can do when you do not have the limitations. That is not a question. What I need you to understand is how to work within your limitations. I do not need a greater work out of you. I can do my own work. What I need for you is to learn to trust, have greater faith, and accomplish the work I give you with the limited capacities that I have ascribed to you, and to do it without complaint, murmuring, and a continuous and begging for removal of the limiting factors. Learn to accept what I give, be happy with what you can accomplish, and be loyal to the cause. You're going to find greater meaning with limited capacities in your work, and you will learn to accept others for who they are and their limited capacities. You will learn compassion, understanding, love, and devotion to me, the Lord, and to others. Your capacity for work is not in question with me. But you need to learn depth of spirituality and quality of the work. That can only be taught by limiting your capacities. The Lord has said, what I want you to learn is the importance of quality, not quantity. Now that has been a difficult lesson for me, partly because of the traditions of the home I come from, <clears throat> where hard work is and <clears throat> is, was and is important still, and quantity and quality matter. Perhaps the more difficult lesson comes as I must allow others to accomplish service for me. Now, I'm not quite sure why, except perhaps a measure of wanting to serve rather than be served, and perhaps that factor of pride. I don't think that for me the lesson of service to other people is difficult. The reward of service and the desire to serve others and help them when they cannot help themselves does not and has not seemed like a difficult task, either rationally, emotionally, or spiritually for me. However, the opposite, to be served, is a far more difficult task for me, and one that is far more humbling, demanding, and for some reason, embarrassing. Now, I know that it should not be, and I'm grateful, very grateful for those who have served me, but somewhere in the pit of my subconscious is that thought, feeling that I could look, that I do look quite healthy, and maybe I should be doing something. I know that I am assuming the judgment of others, and that judgment of others is likely non-existent. But I struggle mightily at times, allowing someone to do something for me, serving me as it were. I even struggle with this with my children. I want to be the good example, the father figure showing the way, doing the hard work, rather than the helpless parent whose children must care for him, even though he does not outwardly look incapable. Now, I struggle to accept service in the same way that I am willing to serve, with the same feelings. And yet, I still apparently have to learn the lesson. Oh, I understand the principle, and I think it's not difficult to understand that if no one is willing to be served, then there exists no service opportunities. However, the one to be served, in my case, always seems to be someone else, not me. 
Sometimes I do wonder if me, myself, and those of us who suffer so terribly with mental illness and other difficulties are in need of this particular lesson more than others. Perhaps the Lord has simply chosen us to learn this lesson in particular. Isn't it strange to think that I never concern myself with someone's capacities or capabilities when I serve them, whether they are capable to do it or not? But I am so consciously concerned about my own capacities and capabilities when, and others' perspective of those capacities and capabilities of me when I am served. Okay, needless to say, I am still working on this. There is something more to be said about this mortality of training and the willingness to make covenants and enter into the Lord's celestial program. The effectiveness of this earthly, earthly training really depends upon how willing we are to allow the Lord to work in our lives. There are two ends to this spectrum of training. One end, uh, the most effective end, is to allow the Lord for, for the Lord to entirely direct our training, no matter the difficulty, obstacles, pain, or heartache this might entail. The least effective, of course, is to dictate to the Lord exactly how our training needs to go. I think that we all fall somewhere in between those two ends. As we mature spiritually, Hopefully, we lean towards the Lord dictating the training and we enter into it, enduring it well, rather than dragging our feet and complaining about his methods with every step. Complaint, and what we refer to in the church as murmuring, does impact our training significantly, and in the end will determine some, or if not all of the, the rewards we attain. Does this mean I can't talk to the Lord about difficulties without jeopardizing some portion of my exaltation? No, there's a significant difference between complaint and honest discussion. The intent of complaint is really a form of communicating that we don't like the methods the Lord is using and we would rather he change them. Complaint is not interested in understanding the Lord's methods. It is far more interested in discussing why the methods are not working, why they are too difficult, and complaint has little interest in the benefits of the current methods. Honest discussion takes into account the willingness to continue with the current methods and seeks to understand, finds strength to endure, and seeks revelation from the Lord. This doesn't mean that we cannot express what our hearts feel, such as loneliness, pain, suffering, hurt, difficulties, and the like. After all, the Lord has asked us to talk to him about these things. The difference is, is that we discuss them seeking to understand and have strength to endure it well, rather than seek to have the testing changed to better fit what we think is better for us. Now, I say all those things like somehow I have magically arrived at that point that I accept everything the Lord desires to give me. Oh, I understand the concepts, but like most everyone, the application often eludes me. When the pain gets to me more than I, than I feel I can bear, the darkness presses upon me for days. Nothing seems to be going right, and of course, the path I thought I was on suddenly changes. My emotional, res my emotional response often overwhelms my rational understanding and the murmuring does begin. Eventually I will come to my senses and realize that repentance is necessary and advantageous. And I understand how far I still have to go. The key to the process is really to stick to it. Meaning, as I have said from the beginning of this podcast, the Lord requires the fight and then he can do his part. Until next week.